0: The most powerful enemies. Goku, whatever you've got planned, now's the time to spring it. The strongest heroes. The biggest fights.
1: I'm Naruto Uzumaki, don't forget it!
0: All come together in one place. Hulu is the home to Naruto Shippuden, Bleach Thousand Year Blood War, Dragon Ball Z Kai, and more of your favorite anime. Find your anime on Hulu's Anime Mayhem. Your anime destination.
1: Welcome to Dynamic Duos. I'm Tiffany Crivelli. On today's episode, Mark Bernardin and his fellow creator, Ariella Cristantina take some time to talk and learn more about each other's nerdom journey. Mark and Ariella work together in creating comiXology's Adora and the Distance, and are behind a new series that will be making its debut in Distillery's anthology series, The Devil's Cut, as the short story, The Shepherd. Ariella is a talented artist whose work you may have seen in Insects from Aftershock or Deep State from Boom Studios. Mark is the writer behind Image Comics' genius and Comixology's Census. Beyond comics, he's written for many notable shows like Castle Rock, Masters of the Universe Revelations, and Star Trek Picard. Let's pass it over to Mark and Ariella as we get ready for another exciting and insightful episode of Dynamic Duos.
0: Hey, Ariella, how are you? Hi, I am great. How about you? I'm I'm doing really well. I'm doing really well. It's it's funny. I'm actually kind of glad that uh, that CBR reached out and asked us to do this dynamic duos mm-hmm. podcast um, <laughs> because the thing that I always I always bring to mind when talking about collaborators that I've worked with is that and and maybe this is not just a modern thing but this is the history of comic book collaborations unless you're literally sitting in the same office next to each other is that I don't know an overwhelming amount about you personally, like, right. I, I just know, I know that you're phenomenally, immensely, ridiculously talented. Um, oh, no. <laughs> and, 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 and remain incredibly lucky that, uh, that you've not just worked with me once, but now twice. But also the like, I just, hey, how, how are you? What's going on in your world? Like, did your, okay, I'll tell you this. Mm -hmm. As a, as a, as a person of color of a certain age, when I told my parents that I wanted to like write for a living and they were like, write what? It was like, you know, (laughs) science fiction, maybe fantasy, comic books, movies and TV. There was that like, that pause of like, is that a career people actually have? Is that a thing you think you can do and make a living at? We don't know anybody else who does that. Why would Uh you think that you could do that? What was your uh, parents' response when you were like, I would like to draw?
2: Well, this is interesting because I think we will have a lot of um, similarities, even though we have a very little age gap. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, just because, you know, my mom used to yell at me if she saw me scribbling on my notebook. Because like on the side of my notebooks will be like a lot of scribbles. Like, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna drop portraits and like festivals? Is that what you're gonna do with your life? Because that's basically it. So they never, you know, send me to any kind of art school or art courses or painting courses I don't know how to draw formally until I got I don't know maybe 22 years old like when my mom practically gave up I was like all right fine you got your undergrad you got your degrees you do whatever it is you want which <laughs> <laughs> but yeah but of all this time like she's just finally okay with that my dad is very supportive but didn't really, you know, I, I think confront my mom in a way too much, you know, as most dads will. Um, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> <laughs> like now that I'm older and wiser.
0: Was but. there anybody artistic in your family? Was, was there anybody that, uh, that you could, you could at least kind of say, oh, I think I get it from cousin Ernie, or I think it comes down from my mom's side. Her, her grandmother loved to sketch or whatever that was.
2: It's funny then because like my dad actually likes to draw, um, but not really pursuing it. Like he likes to draw this in, in a style called wayang. Mm-hmm. Uh, wayang is a traditional art from Indonesia. So it has a certain style, you know, and approach, but he didn't really pursue it. And I know one of my uncles from my dad's side painted as a hobby, but that's all I know because my father is a pharmacist and my mom is actually a chemist. So, <laughs> yeah, like I, my undergrad degree is like, computer languages like, you know, computer
0: stuff. Wow. I love yeah. the like, all right, you do this for me. Get this degree that I'm sure yeah. you can get a decent job at and then try to do the other thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's the it's the Jim Lee story. Like I remember hearing that from from Jim was like, you know, I was supposed to be a mm-hmm. doctor and, you know, I went I got I pre-med and I studied and studied and then I said, "Listen, I'm going to take a year." and try to make this comic thing work. And that entire year, his parents are like, what are you wasting your time for? Oh go, go be a doctor. <laughs> um, um,
2: did, you, well, did, you, did you study something else before you actually write something? Or are you just like, I don't care. I'm going to write anyway. Like, no, I, uh,
0: I, it's funny because when I first went to university, um, I was getting a business degree. Um, mm. But I'm historically bad at math. Like math is my weakness. Math is my like numbers. I don't know what we're doing here. You guys <laughs> I can't help you at all. If it's not addition or subtraction or multiplication, I can't help you division. Even just straight up division is a little bit out of my, my depth. And so I was going to get this business degree. And so I, uh, I, was in, I was in university for all of one semester and my grades were like D's Ooh. and like C minus, like about as bad as you could do and not get kicked out of college. And, uh, and then I told my dad, it's like, dad, I just can't, like, I just can't, I mm-hmm. tried because my father's an accountant. And so for him, you know, numbers <laughs> are the way that he sees the world, like numbers, oh you know, and English is not his first language. Um, you know, he, he, he grew up in Haiti. And so like he had to learn English first, like so he had French and Creole, went to London to learn English and then came to New York to, to make his way in the world. And so numbers was always the thing that allowed him to transit the, the, the language barrier. Numbers okay. were always numbers, numbers never lied. Everybody speaks numbers. Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't. <laughs> I did not speak number at all. <laughs> Your <laughs> dad moved so,
2: me very confused.
0: Absolutely. Although, like <laughs> and, and, and the thing about my dad as an immigrant was he very much invested himself in the in the joys of America, in the in the upper like okay. he loved going to the movies. He loved watching TV. He loved sports. He right. just wanted to immerse himself in the culture which is why I got that, right? Like he's like, let's but, take the boy to the movies. Let's do, we'll do this. We'll watch Star Trek on TV. I'm really about this $6 million man thing. Like, all, like he just, he, he swam in it because I think for him, that was the like getting to understand what it means to be an American is here's what Americans like. Here's what they do. Here are their pastimes and their hobbies. And so my love for movies and comic books comes from my dad because I remember he would like come home from work with a little like brown paper bag that had comics in it. And he's like, I think the boy might like these. And they were not comics I should have read. Like, these oh. were like, like Conan the Barbarian, like violence and bloodshed and nudity and sex. But he didn't read past the cover, so he just didn't know it was a thing that a that a 10-year-old boy oh. shouldn't be reading. He's a like, these are great, Dad. you got to bring me home more of these. <laughs> <laughs> what was your what was your first exposure to uh, to I guess mainstream comics
2: uh, Well, manga was very popular back in the nineties mm-hmm. very popular It's like ninety percent of the market would be manga there are there were some American comics, but one they're like super expensive two they're way too thin <laughs> <laughs> like three I'm not gonna wait a whole month to just to read. And invest in this thing that I can't really like. I can't manga is my first getaway to comics. My mm-hmm. I I love to read back then. Like I read everything that is printed. So my father and my mom also they like they just bought me anything that they can grab their hands on. And then comics are cheap. Manga were cheap back then. It's still cheap today too. So my first comic is I remember it was uh called captain kid by yuho ashibe Mm. it's about a pirate uh that works with a mermaid something 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 like this is a whole bunch of pirate thing before one piece got very popular of course (laughs) but the thing with um japanese manga in indonesia at that time is like if it's published it's translated into indonesian too if it's published in the '90s, they probably bought the right from something that is like 15 years old. So we're always behind. Mm-hmm. So that manga is usually published first in Japan and in, in the '80s or like late '70s. So the style is always like out of date. Kind <laughs> of so it's kind of weird um, when I said things like that. And like if I met somebody from Japan, if I meet somebody from Japan, I was like I like this kind. It's like, how old are you? Like I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: I'm 73 years old. <laughs> apparently, I have an old soul.
2: How about you? what What's your uh, What's your first comic that you will never ever forget? Aside from Conan the Barbarian, apparently.
0: aside from Savage Sword of Conan, it was um the one that the one that I think turned me into a reader because I think Savage Sword mm-hmm. was a very specific thing, but it was um the Secret Wars, Marvel Secret Wars, which was designed. be an entry point Mm -hmm. right like here's 12 issues every comic book character in the marvel universe all in this one 12 issue story and so it was the hey do you not know anything about these characters here's uh like the sample platter here are the Mm x-men here's Mm spider-man here's you know punisher here's the hulk here's the avengers if you know nothing about them we will tell you (laughs) the 12 issue series and it did its job Mm -hmm. which is i suddenly became a, a marvel comics fan and specifically because I grew up in New York and the Marvel Universe is set in New York. And so like getting to the, the weirdness of being like 11 or 12 years old and going into Manhattan, which I would do fairly regularly, and be like, oh, the Baxter Building is right here. Dr. Strange's office is right here. Like I have the address. I can, I can walk by if I want to. You know, and it, like the Daily Bugle Building is right there. And mm-hmm. I mean, they weren't there. And but it, that, that feeling that you were in some way connected to that world—that it wasn't yeah. quite as fictional as it as it felt in the DC universe. Because it it's like, oh, Metropolis—I get it's supposed to be New York, but also so is Gotham, which is just supposed to be the shitty parts of New York. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I don't really know where like Coast City is or Star City, like any of these other things. Like they just yeah. feel like they just made up city names. Whereas New York was New York. Like Spider-Man's from Queens. Like all of those things kind of kind of Mm -hmm. worked for me and then i started like very gently getting into manga and mostly because i think it was first comics began reprinting lone wolf and cub um you know for for american audiences and they had these awesome frank miller covers i think he did the covers for the first like 24 issues i was a a big frank miller fan and so that was my like oh this looks cool i like this dude's art and what is this story this story is bananas i love every minute of it And that was my first, like, manga exposure. And then that led me to, like, Akira. And then, like, I never went deep, 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 because there's so much of it. Um, But it was like, oh, I'm kind of, I'm on board for this. Fist of the North Star, this is kind of dope. Golgo 13, this is kind of great. Mm -hmm. Like, there's the, the sort of, the big booms of manga that made it to the West were the ones that I kind of,
2: Dug into. Would you Talking about covers, when you, you mentioned about Frank Miller, it's one of the things that I'm, I got really confused about <clears throat> uh, American comics in the first place. That's why I never really got into them. I'm not going to say what comic it was <laughs> because it's going to show who's the interior artist and who's the, the cover <clears throat> <laughs> artist. But like there's this uh, store that got out of business. So they discounted, they put everything on sale, including American comic books. So I picked up one, oh my god, the cover is so great. And I start flipping inside, like, what happened? <laughs> 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 Do they have a stroke. Like, <laughs> why is it so different? <laughs> like I <I'm,
0: laughs> Yeah.
2: So I was like, I'm not interested in this. I'm interested in the cover. So I remember, I was just like, I'm not buying it so because i I bought two or three. Like right in the middle, I I don't know which one belonged to what. I don't know. I just pick up the cover that I like, and I flip it over. I was like, uh, "This is not what I was promised."
0: <laughs> yeah, comics, especially in like the '90s, were like awful with that of the like, "Oh, ooh, this is a yeah. this is a Mobius cover." Did Mobius do all the art inside? No, no, he did not. <laughs> No, they paid him, like, $30,000 to do one illustration, which is the cover. <laughs> and the inside is something completely different. <laughs> yeah, because, like, manga doesn't really do
2: that, right? Like, whatever you got on the cover is what you get in the inside. So, like, right. even, like, in back in the 90s, the cover was not really flashy, it's not really great. Like, if you look at the covers, like, they're okay. They're not designed for you to be, like, to grab it immediately. Because what you do, what you do... It's just like you flip it over, you read the synopsis. Like, oh, I'm going with this because you know exactly the inside is gonna look like the outside.
0: <laughs> oh my god. I know. And so, so how do you go from Jakarta, from Indonesia, to uh, to SCAD? How does that jump um, happen? Uh, Explain so. to people what SCAD is if they don't know what SCAD is.
2: SCAD is Savannah uh, College of Art and Design.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, back in 2000. I think I heard one of my colleagues in Indonesia, his name is Chris Lee. He's probably the first person that I know that went to SCAD, that I know personally, like, oh, he went on like discussion or panels or like art festivals talking about like his experience there. So back in 2010, I think I remember like, you know, I never had my formal education in art. So I'm just going to apply to whatever this SCAD is. <laughs> So I just blindly find, like I find the website. I remember briefly googled about Savannah. Oh, it's a, quite a nice town. Well, I, I think I could live there, you know. <laughs> so I just I sent it. my application without telling my parents. Um, and then, yeah. <laughs> and then I got the reply back, telling, telling me that I got like a partial scholarship, blah, 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 if I am interested. And then I told my my dad, and then my mom. Like two months after I told my dad, I was like, "That's a hell just broke loose," and then she stopped talking to me for like three months straight. Oh no! And then, yeah, but she kept. Taking me to this like shopping spree for like, let's buy these suitcases, let's buy, <laughs> let's buy those jackets because it's gonna be cold in there. No, it's not really. <laughs> but it's, you
0: know, yeah, it's the South <laughs> of America, it's not cold in right? there.
2: <laughs> it's probably gonna be snow, let's grab this boots. But she's not, she's doing it without actually talking to me, It'll, like just, just drag gonna... me along, <laughs> like being a mom. You know, but then, you know, eventually I went there. And uh, also I felt stuck as a manga artist. Like, I feel like I'm not going anywhere. You know, I feel very convenient. At that time, I had my studio. I got several exhibitions on galleries. Like, I got road trip with galleries, blah, blah, blah. All my books were published and put in mainstream bookstores. So I feel like, uh, I'm there, but not really, you know, as like a person, as an artist. So, like, let's just go somewhere where I have to start over <laughs> from zero. <laughs> and I just change my style completely because what is the opposite of manga? Like, in my very small mind, I was like, superhero, let's do that. So, all my portfolio in
0: SCAT was superhero. What were you doing when, when we first connected? Well, the first time we tried to connect was on Genius for Top Cow. Yes, and I think that like you know, schedules just didn't come together. You were busy being a fabulous, internationally famous artist. <laughs> well, I was. I would think
2: I was doing insect or, right. or rebels after, like right after insect ending. But also, I have to tell you, um, this I've never talked about this with anybody before. When I heard your name, like Google's, like ooh. <laughs> Kind of scary, even because you have like a very long credit, you know, after your name by the time I was like, oh, he's famous. <laughs> and, and then I, and at that time I remember that was like, uh, you know, shootings, you know, police brutality mm-hmm. was very, you know, very much hurt everywhere. And I read Genius because I think your editor sent it to me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> So there was some kind of like, aside from the schedule didn't match. I have to say it's like thankfully. <laughs> but like I remember telling your editors, like, I don't think I'm the right person for this because I don't know the struggle. I don't know if I can draw it right because this seems also kind of personal to you. Like every like every time I work with you, I think it's always it as always hard as it is personal. But this is something, world that i don't know like i read about it i watched tv about it but like what if you know <laughs> i visual it, i visualize it wrong like i don't there's that, that, that there's that hesitation in me to say yes even if you know the schedule matches
0: i mean that's 100 percent fair you know because i've i've similarly turned down opportunities because like i don't know if i could write that I don't know if I can get yeah. in that headspace. Like, I don't know if, well, I don't, I don't know if that's a thing I want to be doing. It could be mm-hmm. great on the other side of it. Just, I don't know if it's, you know, th- there was just one show that I was, this one TV show that I was up for that I think they might have offered me a job, but it it ended up being like this, just kind of misogynist, you know, brutal for the sake of brutal towards us female protagonists, um, and it was a revenge thing, and so like I get it's got to be hard on the front end so that she can earn having her revenge on the other side. But I was like, I don't, I don't even want to get in the headspace of the front end of that. Like, I just, I just don't want to do that. And so I a hundred percent respect the person saying like, listen, I'm just not, I'm not sure that I, that I want to get in the place that I need to get into to do this. And I'm not sure that I authentically can, can bring myself there for whatever reason. If the person's like, can't do it, won't do it, then understand. Um, But that was the first time our paths kind of glanced and it it, it happened just because I'm like, I saw your art on the Internet and I think you're amazing. Would you like to do my comic book? (laughs) Internet is great. Internet is awesome. Um, And then the second time was was for Adora when it finally, you know, everything kind of clicked unless there's a second time right. that I forgot <laughs> where we no, all no. together
2: <laughs> well genius I mean your editor came to me once and then you you contact me the second time I think yeah uh, twice I think for genius right but yeah, yeah again like the schedule just didn't was not right,
0: right. and uh and so then a door happened and okay. it was a wonderful experience for all parties concerned I think anyway But, you know, we've talked at length, both, you know, personally, and then on panels and whatever, about the fact that, you know, that that a script for a book is not even a book, really, it's just a kind of blueprint that somebody else will come in and invest with, you know, they'll do all of the architecture, they'll do all of the spackling, they'll put all the walls up, they'll make it all nicey nice. And by doing so, they take a thing that was not a functional story and make it you know emotional and make it real and make it lived in and like all of that work that you did to make that world feel like a real world and not just a sketch on a, on a paper like is a hundred percent you know i think the reason why people respond to that book is is because of the way it looks and because of the emotion and because of the the acting on the faces and because of the vistas and all of that stuff um it would not be the same book if it had been anybody else but you and so i i <laughs> I, I remain eternally grateful for you saying, so oh, like, yeah, I can I can find a hole, I can find a year to do this <laughs> book
2: <laughs> Oh, well, but yeah I, I mean, Adora is very, very special, I think like I said, like, your story always has heart, always feels very personal, so I think it's all, oh, you know, it's easy for me to, like, oh yeah, I can I can sort of, like, I hope <laughs> I can portray what you want you know, onto the papers because it still, it still has to look like yours as much as mine. You know, if you get what I mean. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that story is really special. I think I really like it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, the thing I, that I'm... I,
2: I I know you you told the story like a million times about Adora, like how how personal it is for you mm. when you wrote it did you write it like parts by parts and you go back to it and then you, you know, come back to it the other year? Because I know you you said something like you finished the story for like 12 years, so like a decade, like did yeah. you go back and forth to fix things and, you know, for, how, how, for, how did it
0: go? Yeah. For a decent chunk of those, I think it was like 13, 13 or 14 active years of development. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for a decent chunk of that, it was just like I, First, the idea came, and it was just a one-page kind of pitch sheet. Like, here's the thing. It was Adoring the Big Nothing was the first title for it. Adoring the Big Nothing mm-hmm. um, felt very much like a kid's book. Um, and I think I just wrote a page on it with just some, like, loose ideas of stuff and then kind of fleshed it out into, like, a 10-page document. If you were going to, you know, pitch it to a real publisher, they would want something that felt a little bit more robust. So it had all the characters yeah. in it. And I think I shared that document with you at some point. Mm-hmm. Um and then it was like, what was it, like five years ago, I was in between uh, TV shows, and I had like a month and a half where I didn't have anything to write, I didn't have any obligations, I'm like, I'm going to write a Dora now, I know I'm going to have to, and I mean, I want to, but at some point we'll find a publisher for it, and I hadn't even spoken to Chip or David about it yet, it was just... I'm going to write this because I know I'm going to have to write this and I've got a window of opportunity. So I'm just going to do it. And then that just took a month or so of just like blazing through it. Like I kind of knew what the story was, but there wasn't, there wasn't a ton of kind of back and forth. It was a lot of marination, right? Like the Mm -hmm. idea would come and then sit in my brain and then just start to kind of work in the background. And then an idea would happen and I'd jot it down and then it would still work in the background. And then when I sat down to write it, it just became all of that stuff that had been kind of happening in the in the in the system, in the operating software of my mind. And then it was just like, All right, now's the time to do it and then it all just kind of happened. And then once once, you know, Chip Moshe and David Steinberger came in came involved at Comicsology Originals and once Will Dennis came aboard, you know, they had some thoughts, none of which were like catastrophic or even very invasive but it's just like what if it was this what if it was that what if it was a little bit longer we like it to be longer can you make it longer i was like no it is what it is (laughs) you know um and then when when chip and and david you know pulled me aside at thought bubble like two years ago and like hey we're doing a new comic book thing we don't like vowels very much so we're gonna call it distillery but just with no vowels like do you want to do a book (laughs) <laughs> I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I was like, yeah, guys. Like, Adora turned out really well. I really like working with you. I mean, I like vowels personally. I like all the letters. Um, <laughs> yes, but, Yeah, but if you guys have a hard stance against vowels, then you know, it's your company. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, well, what do you want to do? And I pitched them like five or six different things, and and this Shepherd was the one that they. They, uh, they sort of dug the most and I, immediately after doing that I was like hey I wonder if Ariella's free <laughs> like I think Ariella's yes. great on this <laughs> <laughs> It's like what's your schedule like she's busy you can't have her <laughs> uh, you can no I am not been... <laughs> she's got oh 19 God. books she's doing she can't do it
2: so Shepard um what do you have in store for me without giving any spoilers?
0: Um, you know, I think the, the thing that I remember, you know, Will Dennis, when he first read the, the kind of pitch for it, he's like, oh, mm. I get it. It's like Iron Giant meets Goonies. Mm. And, uh, and I was like, well, not so much the Goonies, but <laughs> it's, uh, you know, like, and, and even though I'm like an 80s kid, like I grew up in the 80s, I don't have mm-hmm. a lot of fondness for Goonies, so sorry out there, Goonies never die nation, but it's just not my jam. Um, Iron Giant, however, is 100% yeah. my jam. Like Iron Giant is is a masterpiece. And so if we can kind of even get close to that feeling of a robot, um, an android, a, a protector who whose programming starts to glitch just enough that makes them begin to feel and seem human. And then the desire to protect, you know, the desire to care for the desire to shield, to shepherd, you know, anybody leads her to interact with these three knuckleheads who are kind of orphans on a giant space station who, who basically needs somebody to care for them, needs somebody to protect them, need somebody who can help them be the found family that they kind of already are, but the best version of that kind of it's, it's, it's a story about longing and connection of people who've always wanted somebody to look out for them and then somebody yeah. who's always wanted to look out for somebody and then how those those two disparate like units begin to mesh and collide and then bad things happen because if bad things don't happen then we're kind of doing the story wrong um, <laughs> that's true, true it's true and so like giant science fiction you know big fights and robots and laser beams and spaceships but but also (laughs) you know kids just trying to be kids you know who've been forced to grow up faster than they should have who are just trying to find you know a a place where they belong and people they belong with and then how that relationship begins to strengthen and grow over time and so it's it's a lot of those things, but it's also like, hey, I bet you Ariella would have a blast. Like, this is the most manga thing I've ever written. <laughs> it's like,
2: ooh. I cannot wait because, like, before, like, Adora works with like adults, but now they're like this three, yeah, little kids having fun. So. Having fun
0: with a robot. Yeah. With a robot, with a, with a sexy, sexy lady robot. Who's not that sexy lady robot, but still. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> and, and this is honestly one of the few things that I've written where I don't have a full script going into mm-hmm. the creative process. I mean, Adora, you know, like we just sent you a script, like here's the book. And so oh, right. it'll, it'll be, I'm really looking forward to this version of collaboration where it's like, all right, like, let's start from the very beginning. Like right now there's a page um, document of what it is and let's kind of build this together. And what should this look like? How should this feel like? What do you want to draw? What would you rather not draw? You know, like I, I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to, to kind of getting under the hood from the beginning and saying, all right, yeah. let's go. Let's make a comic book, as opposed to, I wrote a thing. <laughs> Do you want to draw, Please draw it? it. <laughs> Please draw it. Please make it better with art things.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I can't wait. I love, I love that. I love that our process kind of, kind of different for this one. It seems appropriate. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. And I think that with any, hopefully, in that kind of ongoing long-term collaboration finding different ways to do it just finding new ways into the work finding new ways to work together is what helps to keep that relationship alive because if it's the it keeps any relationship alive it's the same thing every day all day then it's like oh well Whatever, no. we'll just do this again.
2: <laughs> I it will be us, and the like ten years, I, can't, I, can't, I was like go.
0: page four hundred of this garbage. <laughs> you again. Michael. You again. Fine. <laughs> but if you can keep it fresh, if you can keep it sort of yeah. evolving and changing, then then hopefully neither of us will get bored with each other, and then we can keep making comic books for a while. Hey. Yay. <laughs> um. What else do you have? Uh, Coming out because, like, listen, the Devil's Cut, the the sort of the short story we did, five pages, packed quite a bit into five pages. Um, but uh, Devil's Cut is already out. Shepherd the the full book probably won't hit stands if I had to guess until like mid late twenty four. Um, yeah. On the earliest, um, but what else? What else do you have coming uh, that comic book readers and purchasers can get their hands on between now and then?
2: Um, I think I'm gonna have, I should have this book coming out uh, from Comicsology. Uh, the title is The Girl Who Drows on Whales. Mm. Um, so that is gonna be another fantasy, young adult stuff. It's gonna be exciting. I'm just bad at peaches and telling people the synopsis. So I'd rather not <laughs> uh,
0: I'll say that like she showed me some artwork when we were signing at the distillery booth at we was like, have you, have you seen the whale book? It was like, no. And so she should pull, pull up her phone. I was like, "Oh my God, this is amazing. You should sell this right away. <laughs> um, so I think like when you hear about the girl who draws on whales, uh, then go out and buy it, the girl who draws on whales. Oh, and I know your you
2: your your new book just came out, right? The Muhammad Ali one?
0: Yeah, the the Messenger that I did with Ron Salas. Um, yeah. it it's it's out, I'm not sure when this podcast will drop, but it's August fifteenth is the is the publication date. And so very excited. That is also a apparently I only do comic books that take ten years to make. <laughs> <laughs> well, not with Shepherd though, not with Shepard. No, Shepherd will be on the fast track, but but by and large, hey, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a decade by decade creator. So, um, But yeah, Messenger, of the Ollie book, took a long time uh-huh. also. But that finally is out. And then my second comicsology book, a book called Census, is going to hit print um, from Dark Horse in January, I think. And uh, oh, yeah, and then there's some other things that I can't talk about because of the reasons that we can't talk about things. It is not my place to announce things that I cannot announce. I people will, people will be angry with me if I just like start angry breaking Yeah, like what are you doing? We had a whole PR plan. Like, sorry, <laughs> I was on a podcast.
2: <laughs> I love that the podcast will be like a lot of beep
0: beep 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 with like all censors. Yeah, yeah. Did, did how did they come in here and beep off this podcast? <laughs> It's like, I'm sorry, CBR. I did, didn't mean to screw up your whole jam here. Um, well, you know, it's it's. I, I had such a blast doing this because every time I see you, and it's not every time because it's only like once a year at a yeah, comic book convention. Sad. So sad. I know. I always have the best time because you're always so wonderful and cool and fun to hang out with. And so to get to like peel the layers and go behind the curtain of some <laughs> of the things that makes Ariella Ariella um is a is a treat
2: oh it's always nice talking to you too yeah, yeah, yeah. i am not really good at talking unless i am half drunk <laughs> in all of the conventions as usual i mean for like five seconds and then i'm gone i gotta go up i need to sleep at like 11 p.m
0: but i know like most of my interactions are... with with ariel at a convention are like signing for an hour or like Glancing blows in the gas <laughs> lamp as you're going from one bar to another with Jock. It's almost always Jock.
2: <laughs> or Will Dennis, whichever one I like.
0: Yeah, you gotta buy the, me some drink. Like The, the, the grand old man <laughs> of, of comics. Like, we're going to the artist bar over here. Okay. <laughs> so, i gonna follow them. <laughs> <laughs> But now this uh, this this was this was lovely. This is a great way for yeah. me to wake up and for you to go to sleep because you're 12 hours ahead of me or behind. Yeah. me. I don't know how that works. My day has just started. Don't worry. Your day has just started. Wow. Okay. <laughs> well, because you're a vampire, so you're just working at night now. Don't tell anybody yet. Fair enough. It looks it looks funny <laughs> wherever <laughs> you are. <laughs> All right, Ariella, well, you thank have you yourself far. a good day. You too. And talk to you soon. Talk to you
1: soon. Bye. I want to say thank you to Ariella and Mark for this fantastic episode. Distillery's debut anthology featuring Mark and Ariella's story, The Shepherd, goes on sale on August 30th. And as always, thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, share it with a friend. And we'll see you next time on Dynamic Duos.